sales. 75% of US shoppers who look to buy a product online start their search on Amazon. That Amazon page one of search results is the new Main Street. Everything that you do has to be driven by that goal getting on the first page of search results. It really boils down to not talking about features and talking about benefits. So how do you translate the features of your product into benefits so that you're actually showing people how what it is that you're providing is solving a unique problem? This is The Language of Business, a podcast to inform and inspire entrepreneurs. Anyone thinking about a startup or a business pivot or just getting underway and looking for some help. Hear from experts who've been there and done that. Learn about strategies that work and strategies that don't work. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Greg Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. Who has the best platform for e-commerce, Amazon or Google? In this episode, Greg Stoller learns the secrets behind the Amazon algorithm. Plus, he gets the inside scoop on how to have a successful online store on Google. Here's Greg. Thank you, Don. There's so much competition online these days, and frankly, the technology is getting cheaper and cheaper, although marketing potentially is getting a little bit more expensive. But let's face it, there are clear winners and losers. Avenue 7 Media is one of those winners, and let's find out why. We welcome to the Language of Business, Jason Boyce. Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Jason, why did you start Avenue 7 Media three years ago? I'd had an exit as a big Amazon seller. I was a top 200 Amazon seller for about 17 years. At about year 15, we said, you know, I love you guys, but we're done doing business together. And let's find a way to capitalize off this thing that we built and I'll move on. And I had to do something because I'd drive my wife crazy if I didn't do something. But really, in about 2016, in the year 2016, I had my first taste of what it's like to speak in front of a group of Amazon sellers. And after that talk, I got mobbed by people asking tons and tons of questions. So we're talking about 2016, 2015. I had been a seller since 2003. So I had a ton of information and these Amazon sellers were so hungry for the lessons that I've learned the hard way. They had just tons and tons of questions. We had to take it out of the hallway and I just continued to answer questions for about an hour and a half. I really enjoyed it. It was like this rapid fire. Everyone was asking question after question. I said, oh, that happened to me in 08. Try this. Oh, that happened to me in 09. Try that. And I learned something about myself. At that moment, I realized how meaningful and how much I enjoyed helping other sellers navigate something as challenging and as difficult as Amazon. And even though I was still running my other business, I had it in my head that I was going to start an agency at some point. And so in a 30-second pitch, what does Avenue 7 Media do? We are a full-service, fully outsourced Amazon department for brands. We help you grow profitably and win on the Amazon platform. We do everything, everything from your branding, your listings, your advertising, managing your customer service, and then all of the other 156 things that are required in order to have success on Amazon. But not Google, not Facebook, not YouTube, primarily or strictly Amazon. Yeah, right now, 98% of what we do is on Amazon. We are managing some of our other clients' business on walmart.com as well. And you may ask, Greg, why is that? Why only Amazon? Well, Amazon has about 56% of the online market share for products sold in the United States. Walmart's number two, and they have 7% of the online market share. Wow. In some cases, it just doesn't make sense yet for the brand to get fully engaged in Walmart. But that channel is growing and we are helping, uh, you know, a number of clients on that channel as well. But the individual brands are paying you as opposed to Amazon.com. 
Yes, Amazon doesn't pay us. And based on some of my feedback to Amazon and how they treat sellers, I doubt if they ever will. Let's be honest, Greg. But um, the brands pay us to manage their account and they tap into our 12 departments, 10 to 12 departments, all led by experienced Amazon operators. So for the price of roughly an employee, our clients get a fully experienced Amazon operating team to manage their business. This point is worth circling back on. There was a time in history selling on Amazon where you could hire somebody out of college and that person could be your Amazon person and they could do everything that you needed to do to have success on Amazon. But those days are long gone. You can't really have one person just to manage your advertising because it's so complicated now. There's so many different layers and nuances. There are cases where we drive 120 ads to one product within the Amazon ads channel. And that's just ads. We also need branding. We need SEO. You need customer service. You need review management. You need FBA management. You need to figure out ways to stay in stock. And then when Amazon takes your listing down because they have AI bots that aren't very intelligent. You got to have a team that knows how to get those things back up so you don't lose sales. The calculus is Amazon is infinitely more complicated than it was back when I first started, certainly in 2003, but even as early as 10 years ago. And so you need a team. You need a team of experienced folks who've been there and done that. So I'm intrigued. In 2003, Amazon probably loved you because you were driving traffic to the site. With every sale you made, they received a cut of it. Now, 20 years later, do they consider you to be a friend or a foe? Oh gosh, you have to ask them. It depends on what I say in the press. I'm unabashedly a big supporter for brands and small businesses. I believe strongly that Amazon wouldn't be what it is today and they will not become what they are in the future without the hard work, the toil, the sweat, the capital, the product knowledge, and the grit of the small business owner. And if you think about that for a second, there's about 1.4 million sellers just in the United States with an active listing. Think about how many people they staff. And if you do that multiple, you take a look at this, it's likely impossible for Amazon to replace what the third-party seller brings to the table for them. And in my opinion, when I'm out there to answer your question specifically, Greg, when I'm out there saying, Amazon, you need to acknowledge that. You need to speak up about that more often. And you need to give these sellers who are your highest paying customer. That's right. Sellers pay Amazon more profit dollars than do Amazon shoppers. Then they don't like me. They don't like me when I do that, when I call them out. But they love me when I take a client from zero to a million in sales, a million to 10 million and 20 million million in sales. It depends on the day, Greg. Let's be honest <laughs> how Amazon feels about me. I don't care. I'm here for the, I'm here for the third-party sellers. I'm here to help brands grow. So I'm intrigued. The third-party sellers, are they essentially outsourcing all of what they do vis-a-vis -vis Amazon to you, or are you a consultant to them in terms of getting to what they're doing, making it better? It's really the latter. I was a consultant for a period of time, but it became very frustrating for me because these business owners are running around with their hair on fire, keeping the lights on, running their business. They didn't have the time to do the 65 things that I was recommending they needed to do on each and every one of their listings in order to have success on Amazon. So I was a consultant, very short-lived. And I said, look, I've been in your shoes. I know what you're going through. I know that Amazon's complicated. Trust me, there's business to be had here. Just give it to me. I'll build the team. I'll hire the people that I know that have the experience. I'll train them way and we'll take it off your plate. We really are a fully managed service where we take the work off of you. And that's not to say a brand throws it over the fence and then we run with it. We work hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder with our brands to help them identify the biggest opportunities, to help them with things like staying in stock, to help them with their listings so that they can convert better. Greg, what we're most proud of is that we believe this strongly, that the work that we do for our clients on Amazon will help make their business better. That's what gets me up in the morning and gets me excited for work every day. I love it. 
do they pay you as a percentage of every sale, much like Amazon does for them? Or are they paying you an hourly rate, a retainer? Help us to understand that, please. It's really either or. We start with a monthly retainer or a tiered percentage of revenue. So it depends on what stage the client is in, and it depends on how quickly we can get them to accelerated growth. Long-term, the best case scenario is for both of us is that we're getting a percentage of revenue because that means we've blown past the growth projections and now the client is winning and we're winning. From the customer's perspective, it's pretty seamless. You type in a product or a category that you're looking for, the product or category comes up, you look at the comments, the questions, and then hopefully you proceed to add it to cart and then move on from there. You mentioned there are 65 different things that one of these third-party sellers needs to do. What are one or two of those more important 65? I'm gonna go up to the 30,000 foot view and then we'll land the plane on your question, okay, Greg? Something that's important to remember is based on most recent surveys, 75% of US shoppers who look to buy a product online start their search on Amazon. That Amazon page one of search results is the new main street. If you can get your product with the highest volume keywords on page one of search results, it's gravy train for you right? That's what you've got to do. So everything that you do has to be driven by that goal, getting on the first page of search results. Amazon is an algorithm. I used to sell to Walmart stores in my previous life when I was a sporting goods brand. It was a real challenge. You'd have to convince a human person that your product was good and deserved to be on your shelves and it was miserable. That's not really the case when it comes to Amazon. On Amazon, you're selling to an algorithm. What matters most to that algorithm are clicks and sales. If your product is surfacing in search and Amazon shoppers are first clicking on it and they're adding to cart at a rate that's equal to or higher than your top selling competitors, the algorithm will reward you and you will move to the top of that search results page and you will see a hockey stick growth pattern that we often refer to as the Amazon flywheel effect. So Greg, back to your question, you got to lay the foundation. And we do search engine optimization. That's talking about Amazon search to an Amazon listing, Amazon SEO. That's the first part of the foundation. Second, we really rely on branding, telling that entrepreneur's brand story, telling that message, focusing on the benefits of that product. And we do all that in the listings and the A plus details in the brand store within Amazon. So that's number one, lay the foundation. Second is you drive traffic, then you wait. And you wait, and you may wait a couple of weeks, you may wait a month, and then you read the tea leaves, right? And you look at all the metrics of which there are scores and scores of. Those metrics will tell you what the next step is that you have to take. Maybe your click-through rate is too low. Maybe your conversion rate isn't good enough. So then you go back to the drawing board. And there's this, this continual, relentless process of rinse, repeat over and over again until you get those metrics to line up to get you on the first page of search results and then you become a top seller. Jason, this is super fascinating. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Jason Boyce, CEO and founder of Avenue 7 Media, talking about how to optimize his clients' experiences and sales on Amazon. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Greg. We heard the secrets of the Amazon algorithm. Next, we'll learn how it works on Google when the language of business continues. I didn't even realize what it meant to be in a top tier business school until my first day. And I just really, for the first time, felt like I was in a place where everybody knew what was going on and everyone was incredibly driven to study this and perfect this field. And so I think being in a top business school really means that you are finding the barriers and the edges of the field and pushing them a little farther. And that's what Question has taught me over the past four years. 
The curriculum at Questions is really helpful because you get to not only study the basics of business, such as accounting or marketing, but you really get to dive further in and to see applications of the health sector and how business applies to sustainability efforts around the world. They really want us to kind of focus it on four emerging areas, and those areas were healthcare, security, sustainability, and technology. Those are really where the jobs are going to be. They really want us to come out from the Questions School of Business and, like I said, be able to work in any area of the industry. Interested? Go to bu.edu slash Questrom. You're listening to the Language of Business look at e-commerce and the scoop on having a successful online store. Back to Greg Stoller. Thank you, Don. The latest trend these days is everyone wants to have a YouTube channel and have a huge amount of subscribers. But is it really that easy? Well, our next expert is certainly going to tell us the pluses and minuses of being on e-commerce. Welcome, Jen Cerigos, to the Language of Business. Hi, thanks for having me. Great to be here. How does somebody get started, if you will, in e-commerce? That's a bit of a loaded question, but what I would say is you would want to start with a passion and start with something that you're excited to bring to market and share with the world. As far as marketing is concerned, you have to figure out who your target market is. And once you know who that is, you can then figure out what are the right channels in order to gain those people into your community and in your tribe. And Hopefully they start buying whatever it is that you're selling. You've been involved with several e-commerce businesses over the years, some more successful than others. What made the good ones so great and the bad ones not so good? Typically, I would say what made the bad ones not so great is founders who are not in alignment with what they're trying to bring to market with their product or their values. Founders who are disorganized, scattered, are working on multiple projects and not focusing on their one company. Usually when I see success, it's a founder who's in complete alignment with what it is that they're doing. And they've put a team of really talented and intelligent people around them and who have skill sets that they don't have and have a team that they can trust. In short, it doesn't work if you have a founder that's not in alignment. It does work when you do. So are you advisors to these companies, investors, or see all of the above? See all of the above. And tell us a little bit more about that, please. I actually do advising for an incubator here in Colorado called Founders Institute. And my role in Founders Institute is to help being on their advisory team and give them marketing advice, give them business development advice, marketing, go-to-market strategies, and all of that. So I work with a range of companies, not just in e-commerce, but in that space. Also, any startups that are trying to bring their vision to life, mobile applications, technology, people that are working on trying to solve the climate crisis and things like that. It's so easy to get online, open a store on Amazon, start a YouTube channel, but what differentiates really smart, successful YouTubers or Amazon store owners from the rank and file? Consistency. Most people think they can do one or two videos and then they get disheartened when nobody clicks like or comments or shares and the engagement is low and they get discouraged and they stop. And it really, at the end of the day, you have to be consistent and you have to do very regular posting. And I don't know if you guys heard, but Facebook announced that Instagram is now moving away from the algorithm they had been using and they're going back to a chronological news feed, which means it's even more important to be posting every single day if you're a company and you're trying to grow your business organically online. But it can't just be as easy as posting more and more content. You've got to market that content out to the tribe, as you put it. How do you get your site to be the top of the list, literally, as well as figuratively? Do you have an hour? 
or multiple weeks. Really, fundamentally, foundationally, it really boils down to not talking about features and talking about benefits. So how do you translate the features of your product into benefits so that you're actually showing people how what it is that you're providing is solving a unique problem? And then understanding your target market, because when you speak to everyone, you speak to no one. That was one of my marketing mentors taught me very million years ago. So do the intensive, arduous work on the front end of interviewing your customers and your potential customers, doing a lot of market research, understanding these people. Most people think that if you can explain their problem to them better than they can, they automatically assume you have the solution. So understand the problem that they're facing, how you solve that problem, and also make sure you're focusing on benefits and not features. I see that mistake happen all the time. The average content creator loves to talk about his, her, or their subscriber base and the latest and greatest posting that they put out there for the benefit of the world, but nobody talks about the cost side of the equation. How expensive is it to do this the right way? Well, I mean, it can be hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. Spending on what? It really depends on the brand, right? Think of it this way. In order to put content out there, you need a videographer, you need someone to do copywriting, and then you need someone to edit all of those things and make them (laughs) in the format that's friendly to whatever social media channel that you're using. A lot goes into content creation, a lot more than people would think. Believe it or not, the majority of the videos and images and things that you see coming from major brands online that look like they've been shot with an iPhone, they have been shot very specifically to look like they're shot with an iPhone because right now the hottest thing in social media is to look authentic and genuine and not to have things look like they're massively produced and highly curated. So now companies are spending a lot of money trying to get all their content to look the other direction. But don't be fooled. They're still spending a lot of money on it. (laughs) And what about the cost of having a store on Amazon or paying for preferential Google listings or being on YouTube? How does that aspect of e-commerce work? In today's world, you really do have to pay to play. It just is what it is. Facebook, Google have been the top players historically. And what happened was they started to recognize that for Google through the search and through Facebook, through the newsfeed, that a lot of businesses were making a lot of money organically. And these companies make a lot of money and revenue from advertising dollars. So they changed the algorithm to make organic outreach very difficult, if not impossible. And so in order to get revenue and customers coming through the door, you really do need to pay for ads. That's true on Amazon. That's true on Google. That's true on Facebook. It's just part of the game that we have to play now. Looking at this from an industry perspective, what is the single biggest area that keeps you up at night about the future of e-commerce? It's a tough question because there's so many factors that can go into the success or failure. I don't want to brush off the question per se, but I don't really have anything that keeps me up at night because I'm resilient and I'm agile. So as long as you know how to adapt and change and you feel comfortable that if Facebook were to disappear tomorrow, you have three other channels that you know you can get your business from, then you're fine. I wouldn't want anyone to stay up at night worrying about the future of e-commerce. I'll tell you that. Jen, thank you very much. You're welcome. Anytime. Jen Cerigos, an expert on e-commerce. Thank you for joining us today on The Language of Business. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Greg. Support for the language of business is from Boston University Questrom School of Business. We're available wherever you get podcasts or ask Alexa. Social media is by Jennifer Powell of the Excellent Writers Group. Music by Randy Barth of Oswee Media. Consulting producer is Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. 
audio production, editing, and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of somethingyoushouldknow.net. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, I'm Don Kelly. Thanks for listening to The Language of Business.